Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, the little show that reminds you sanity is the opposite of Hannity. And don't let all the dumb make you numb. We got a great show tonight. Uh, Former Portland, Maine Mayor Ethan Strimling is with us, and I'm very excited about it because I love Portland. More than that, Ethan Strimling is one of the devoted Democrats responsible for getting Donald Trump thrown off that state's ballot just before uh, last week. I'm very excited to talk to him about the process, how they did it, what the backlash is, and what their concerns are. Will the Supreme Court or the state Supreme Court overrule it? And what actually has to go into this process? These are not Supreme Court judges. These were politicians. Mr. Strimling was one of them. And uh, we're going to go behind the scenes to learn how they broke this whole thing down. Also, our Indigenous Voices segment, now we're number two, the segment that all the pop stars are raving about. Little Stephen Van Sant and Jewel have both tweeted about Simon Moya Smith and Julie Franchella. I am so thrilled to welcome them back to our show. The great Chris Hauselt is running this beast out of the South Carolina studios. We are so glad you're with us. And for the next three hours, you know what? We'd, we'd, we'd actually like to have you join the cast of the show and be one of the voices all the nice people trapped in their cars get to listen to. Our number is 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Hello to all of our live listeners, our evil army of the night. That's you. Give us a call. Join the show. And hello to all of our daywalkers, everybody listening to the Fuglesang podcast and to the, my God, the uh, the app and the SiriusXM on demand. And can I just say, uh, thank you, podcast listeners. We just found out we're number 31 on Apple Podcasts nationwide for news. And when you break that down, the only podcasts and news that are liberal or progressive or left based that are higher than us today on the charts, Rachel Maddow and Pod Save America. We are the number three podcast on progressive politics in America, folks. And uh, I'm just so grateful to Chris and to all the team and uh, everybody who puts the podcast together. Uh, <laughs> we started this a year ago, and it's really nice to see it's catching on. So thank you. I'm deeply, deeply honored. And I will do my best to steal all my jokes from even better comedians to meet the challenges of this improved listenership. Let's get to it, shall we? We have a lot to get to tonight. Um, an Ohio grand jury has declined to indict a woman facing criminal charges after miscarrying her pregnancy at home. That's good news. The Israeli cabinet minister is uh, calling for voluntary emigration from Gaza. That'll that, that'll work. Yeah, because 
I remember in my country, uh, right wing Christians were telling uh, uh, immigrants that they should self deport. And that worked out great. Well done. The Red Cross has announced an emergency blood shortage. They are having a serious shortage, and the number of donors is the lowest it's been in 20 years. They are urging people to donate. If you find the time, I promise you'll feel good about yourself after you feel faint about yourself and need some Oreos and orange juice to revive. I was asked, uh, we, we, we read your mail here. You know that? If you write us at our show's Facebook page or, or you know, however you want to do it, we do read them. And a lot of folks wrote me asking for some thoughts about the Pope, who just came out and called for a ban on surrogacy. Uh, he, he really doesn't like uh, rent-a-wombs. And look, he, he, here's what I think about it, okay? Recently, this Pope has been awesome on a lot of things. Francis recently approved allowing the priest to bless the same-sex couples, and that upset all the evil fake Christians I know. Uh, he's done great stuff talking about the uh, war between Israel and Hamas. Um, very brave stuff, calling out both sides in very pointed ways. He's great on migration. He's the best pope we could hope for on the climate crisis. And again, the meanest, fakest, most repulsively, dishonestly fake Christians in our country can't stand him. So it makes me think he's doing something right. Because if, if, if the Pharisees aren't trying to crucify you, you ain't being like Jesus. And trust me, I've learned that. But but when it comes to the surrogacy, I, I was a bit surprised. I wasn't really. He, he came out against this a couple of years ago. Um, but he called for surrogate motherhood to be banned worldwide. He called on the pra- he called the practice despicable, and his big issue was these contracts where women are paid by individuals or or couples to uh, to carry embryos. The Pope said in the speech that unborn children should be protected and not turned into an object of trafficking. And he's not alone. A number of countries have declared surrogacy for money illegal. Italy's done it. And in the U.S., Michigan's done it. Nebraska, it is illegal to be a surrogate for pay. In Louisiana, the same thing. It's not the first time Pope Francis has come out against surrogacy. In 2022, he he called it uterus for rent. I mean, there's two types of surrogacy. Y'all probably know this. You're smarter than me. Uh, There's gestational and traditional. And it's distinguished by how the embryo is created. Are you taken... Are are we taking your eggs or are you taking our embryo? And most couples have experienced a lot of miscarriages or they keep trying in vitro. They don't get any success. And for many couples, surrogacy is a last resort. No one goes into it wanting to say, oh, wow, let's have a baby. And I hope we have to use a surrogate. No one has ever said those words in that order before. No one ever set out to have a surrogate. And the Pope is suggesting that You know, LGBTQ people, if you want to form a loving family with those unions I just told priests to bless last month, uh, well, you're going to have a tougher time adopting children. You can try to adopt one, but if you want to have one of your own, using a surrogate to form a family, it's not going to happen. You know, and I like this pope. Let me just be, I, I like him. And I appreciate that this pope had to throw some red meat to the conservatives after setting off an atom bomb of anti-homophobia last Christmas. I totally get where this is coming from, and he's done it before. He's long been against this. It's nothing new. Here's my deal. You know, again, Pope Francis doesn't draw a distinction between gestational surrogacy, where the surrogate mother doesn't provide the egg, or traditional surrogacy, where the surrogate mother's own eggs are used for the fertilization. Yeah, draw a picture. Um, Pope doesn't draw a distinction between the two. As far as we know, he's against both forms. I don't know. He didn't get specific about it. He is a man of science, so I assume he knows the difference. He referred to the whole practice in generalities. 
And previously, you know, he said you can't rent out a uterus. And um, I'm, I'm willing to come out and say uh, I support Pope Francis not having to rent out his uterus. I appreciate that children should not be turned into an object of trafficking. Couldn't agree more. Uh, we're not talking about that per se. You know, the Pope said a child is always a gift and never the basis of a commercial contract. And I respect where he's coming from. But may I also point out, these are the folks who tell us God makes no mistakes. Now, critics of surrogacy say it hurts poor women, poor women in vulnerable communities who have a uterus and they get offered some cash. And very often it's not good for them in the long run. But a lot of folks will tell you. Uh, surrogacy gives some women a chance to offer children to folks who can't conceive themselves. It offers them a chance to make some money and perhaps lift themselves out of poverty. But but they're doing this under the legal protection of a commercial contract. I, I, I don't know if it's hard for the Pope to appreciate this. You know, the Vatican's doctrine office has said children born via surrogacy can be baptized. So I'm like, wait, wait, so they shouldn't be born. They shouldn't be conceived. But once they are, they're fine. They're baptized. You understand? I have some questions here. Now, a lot of my lefty and atheist friends were saying, hey, man, isn't this just uh, wasn't the Virgin Mary a surrogate? Right. She was. I, I saw that joke all over the place. And it's funny. She wasn't. Mary was she was an unwed pregnant teen who baby daddy was nowhere to be found. And so she found a really nice, understanding, cool guy who raised the baby as his own. Good luck going for that one, if that's how you want to live. I mean, I've met people who were the product of surrogacies and their parents consider them miracles. There are people who will say the Pope calling for a global ban on this is cruel. The Catholic Church denounced in vitro fertilization after that was introduced back in 78. What have we had now? 13 million births via IVF? Has God changed his mind on that? The Pope urged for a global ban on assisted reproductive technology. And, and you know, again, he's really taking on surrogacy, calling it human trafficking. And look, I'm glad the Pope wants to talk about exploitation of women or the commodification of babies or, or slave-like control of some contracts. But it's not a black and white situation. And I'm sorry I can't give a more commanding answer on it. But I do find it kind of funny that, again, I like this Pope, but he's calling surrogacy human trafficking? From the Vatican? Friends, Google the Magdalena Laundries sometime. Learn a bit about how the Holy Roman Empire literally sold Irish babies throughout the UK. Literally sold Irish babies to families in the United States for decades from the Magdalena Laundries. Johnny Mitchell wrote a pretty good song about it as well. So, Pope, uh, you, you know, I, I, I appreciate you said something caring and nothing you said is binding, but please make up your mind. Are women supposed to be incubators or not? Get back to us. We'd, we'd love to know. Now, in the meantime, we're not going to cover the GOP debate last night because there is nothing to cover because there was no GOP debate. Did you try to watch it? DeSantis versus Haley? <laughs> because only one can be a distant number two. Neither of them helped themselves. Neither of them hurt Trump. They both made Chris Christie look really good. No one's going to remember anything about this debate. Nothing was said that anyone will ever quote ever again. The journalists who had to work it have already purged it from their cortexes. This debate will affect our politics in no ways. There are human appendixes that do more things than this useless debate. But one moment really kind of summed it up for me. 
And it wasn't either the folks on stage. It was Governor Chris Sununu, who's like the biggest booster of Nikki Haley, who pretty much came out after a couple of years of anti-Trump talk and saying that he would support Trump if Trump's the nominee anyway, even if Donald Trump is a convicted felon. (laughs) Just like Ron DeSantis, just like Nikki Haley. I mean, this is where the Republican Party is today. This is how amoral it's become. And this is how much the election matters. Like, think about the damage this does. They're all coming out and saying we'll vote for him if he's a felon. But we're really against him. Believe us. Here it is last night on CNN. Here's Sununu, who, again, has acted, endorsed Haley, says, of course, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. Give a listen. Right now, most of America, it looks like they would they would vote for him because he's winning. He's busy. Biden is so bad that Trump is actually beating Biden in most polls. But what about okay, you, Okay, so Governor? most of America is right there. Yeah, I'm going to support the Republican nominee. Absolutely. Yeah, like that shouldn't shock anybody. That shouldn't be surprised to anybody that the Republican governor and most of, actually of America is going to end up going against Biden because they need to see a change in this country. That would be soft, pudgy, nepo baby Chris Sununu. Jesus, I'm tired of these guys born into it being such entitled snot noses. You want to know how insignificant that debate was last night? Look how the real story of the debate was Chris Christie on a hot mic after he dropped out. He was caught trashing his fellow candidates right before he suspended his campaign during that New Hampshire town hall that went on and on and on. And um, he was saying in the thing that Nikki Haley is going to get smoked, that she's not up for it. He talks about how much money she spent. And he says that a, a petrified DeSantis called him. At, well, you know what? Why? You don't want to hear me do it. Listen to the governor himself. Here's Chris Christie. People don't want to hear it, Wayne. They don't want to hear it. We know we're right, but they don't want to hear it. Right. And, and there's, you know, we couldn't have been any clearer. Right. We couldn't have been any more, any more direct or worked any harder. So, you know. And let's not forget she spent $68 million. Yeah. I mean, well, like well, when you give land 10. to China and places like that. Yeah, yeah that's gonna, what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent $68 million so far, just on TV. Spent $68 million so far, $59 million by DeSantis, and we spent twelve. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She hasn't even. She's still twenty points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's going to. He's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Always. I. T- you know, I talked to DeS- DeSantis. Called me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out after Iowa. And after that, the audio, like the campaign, went dead. And can I just say, if you think Chris Christie isn't the guy who leaked that audio to the media, I got a bridge I want to shut down for you. Today in Donald Trump really isn't that bright sometimes news. Today, he, uh, well, (laughs) he put out a fundraising email that said, I am your retribution. And then when he went on Fox News last night, uh, he said, I'm not going to have time for retribution. And that's pretty much it. He downplayed the vengeance he sells on the campaign trail because he believes nothing. He says what he has to say to make the room pretend to like him. On abortion last night, Donald Trump said he was proud to have appointed the Supreme Court justices who terminated Roe v. Wade. The Biden campaign had turned that into an ad before we got off the air. And then he attacked Ron DeSantis for signing a ban on abortions after six weeks, which uh, the right wing fake Christians like quite a bit. And then, of course, on political violence, he said it's never acceptable. On authoritarianism, he said uh, he's going to be a dictator, but that's just a a ploy. You know, look, the whole point is usually you pivot to a general election. He's not going to do that. He has no discipline. And then today he proved it because today, well, 
he went into that courthouse one last time for his fraud case in New York. And uh, let's just say it didn't go well. He did make the statement at the end of his counsel's closing arguments. The judge let him talk for a while and then finally shut him up. When he was done, he could not shut his mouth. Here he is speaking outside the courtroom. Donald Trump tells reporters his perfect company is perfectly run in a perfectly legal way. And in fact, he should be the one receiving large payments from the trial. Keep in mind when you listen to this that there were tons and tons and tons of evidence. He's guilty and everything he's saying is a lie because he knows his supporters won't fact check it. Take it, Don. We just had a very good session. The lawyers said that he was absolutely nothing done wrong. These were all great loans. The bank uh, got the loans. They got paid. Uh, the banks were in perfect condition. The bankers were extremely happy with these loans. They made a lot of money with the loans. There were no defaults. There were no problems. This is just an attorney general that hates Donald Trump and wanted to run for governor and wanted to run for attorney general. And it's a shame. I think she's, she should be criminally liable for this. She did this to Exxon, and they drove Exxon out of New York. Uh, Exxon paid billions of dollars of taxes. They're now living in Texas. Uh, Exxon is uh, very happy in Texas. Other companies, because of what's happening here, are going to be moving out of New York also. This is an out-of-control attorney general. She's totally out of control. These loans were all good. The banks were extremely happy with me. They still are. We built no, a great company. No, no. A company that's very liquid, very strong, great assets. And she sued me because she wanted the publicity to run for office. They find nothing wrong. And I think if anybody was being fair about it, and I'm not sure you can even hear me because they don't allow microphones over here, which is really ridiculous. But uh, if anybody's fair about it, you see, this is a case that should have never been brought. All right, you got the idea, right? I'm gonna. We can. We can. I think we've heard enough. Uh, so again, just so you understand, this is not the trial where he's already guilty, but his lawyers are saying it's okay that he's guilty because he has full immunity. This is the trial where he's already guilty, and they're trying. To to decide on how much money he has to pay because he's already guilty, not to be confused with the second E. Jean Carroll sexual abuse and defamation case where he's also already been found guilty and they're just negotiating how much money he's going to pay. Please, Rubes, empty your bank accounts for this man. Why is his money in your bank account? And before we go, the real political story that's continuing to unfold is House Speaker Mike Johnson. You know him. Hobbit on the outside, work on the inside. You see these headlines saying Mike Johnson's honeymoon as House Speaker is over. Like, his honeymoon is over. What do you? It's been over since day one. He's already being accused of cheating, and they're making him sleep on the couch. <laughs> and divorce, well, that could be uh, any day now. He's got to make a choice. Is he going to push a deal with the Senate on the spending that the right wing of his party really hates, but Democrats will help him push over the finish line? And whether to accept a deal on border policy changes that might come out of the Senate. But Republicans, the right wing, they're done with him. They blocked package of GOP bills yesterday and they ground the floor to a halt in protest of Johnson's spending deal with Senate Democrats. And this is exactly what happened to Kevin McCarthy on his bipartisan debt ceiling deal. This is exactly why Kevin McCarthy had to leave the job. Chip Roy actually was saying on uh, the radio yesterday, if they totally botched the appropriations bill, I don't know why we would keep him as speaker. I mean, <laughs> this is pretty scary because if they go back on this deal, we'll have a government shutdown on January 19th. But also Democrats will know that they can't trust this guy at all. And I'm sorry, he's going to need Democratic votes for a functioning House. So he either works with the Democrats 
to keep the government running, or he gives in to the Nazi clod of his own party, and everybody suffers. And this guy's been on the job for 78 days. I know the temptation to watch porn might be strong, Mike. Please don't. Don't give in. Don't give in. It's all about the spending. The deal Johnson struck keeps the government funded at the 2023 numbers. But the House Freedom Caucus chair is not happy. And so now I don't know what to say. This guy, Johnson, he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. But if he doesn't, we're all damned. And the House Freedom Caucus really, really, really might end this guy. And I feel bad for him a little bit. He's a horrible person and a corrosively fake Christian. But 25 years ago, the Republican Party had a very unpopular speaker. He was ousted. The guy they all thought would get the job was also a problem. He was ousted. And they picked the quiet, boring guy in the corner. He became speaker and was the longest serving Republican speaker in history. That would be child molester Denny Hastert. But right now, he's going through with ended McCarthy. I mean, Johnson's going through it. and There's no way around it. This minority of white people is at war with that minority of white people and the rest of us may have a shutdown government because of it <sighs> this leader will continue to be a hostage to the fringe that is becoming the mainstream once the republicans were a conservative party with a white nationalist fringe now they are a white nationalist fringe party with a conservative fringe and mike johnson is a hood ornament we want to know what you guys think we're at 866-997-4748 and we will be right back back to talk all about Donald Trump and the main ballot. It's beautiful. Don't go away. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Welcome back. So as you know, Maine's top election officials have removed Donald Trump from Maine's 2024 primary ballot, but only because the 14th Amendment commands us to. I swear, that's the only reason. 
This makes Maine now the second state to disqualify Donald Trump, who is trying to get back, who is still the front runner and will most likely be the first convicted felon to secure a major party nomination. This is all after Colorado's Supreme Court did the same thing earlier in the month. But Maine was very different. Maine did, was not coming from a Supreme Court. It actually came from politicians and civic leaders who knew what they were doing. And Ethan Strimling served for 10 years as the progressive mayor and the state senator representing the wonderful city of Portland, great town to do stand-up in. He was part of the successful petition to remove Donald Trump from Maine's ballot. He also spent uh, almost 20 years as the executive director of Learning Works, a social service agency that helps break the generational cycle of poverty through education. Right now, he is a community organizer for progressive causes, an active member of Maine DSA, and one third of the podcast in the arena. What a pleasure to welcome Mary Ethan Strimling to SiriusXM. Thanks. Glad to be here, John. Really appreciate uh, your inviting me and that you're uh, talking about this subject. It's pretty important. I- I think it's great. I think we're all getting a civics lesson here. Uh, The way I kind of see it, if they're going to do everything they can to make it hard for Americans to vote, Americans should do everything they can do to make it hard for Trump to run. And um, I I do have some anxieties about it. But let me start, Mr. Mayor. How how did you come to take on this particular method? How did this idea and using the impeachment clause, uh, using the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment um, become a cause you decided you personally wanted to devote energy to? Well, I think, it, you know, it's all ultimately on Donald Trump, right? Three years ago, just a few days ago, was the anniversary of when he... Uh, you know, sent his troops to the Capitol to try to block the peaceful transfer of power so that he could keep himself in power. And at that moment, we all recognized that uh, this was the insurrection that he was attempting. And obviously, Congress put forward uh, the impeachment resolution saying that he incited it. It uh, got over 230 votes in the House and then the Senate Uh, Ultimately, it didn't get the two thirds it needed, but it got 57 votes, the most votes that have ever been, uh, you know, cast to convict somebody uh, on a House impeachment. And, you know, what was interesting about it is that a lot of the Republicans who chose not to vote for it claimed that they were doing it because he was already out of office. It was not that he didn't incite, yes, the insurrection, all that, but he's out of office. Impeachment can only happen when he's in office. So because of that, The only way that we could then actually keep him from running again, if he had been convicted of the impeachment, he would have been stopped, would be for us to make sure that he is not uh, allowed on the ballot. And so at that point, obviously, a lot of people were writing about this and starting to think about it. And um, in Maine, we are unique in that our secretary of state has the ability to um, make the first call on challenges to anybody. So. If I was running for the state Senate when I ran uh, to become a state senator, if somebody wanted to challenge those ballots, challenge my signatures, Mm -hmm. they would have gone to the secretary of state. and The secretary of state would have said, "Uh, you know what, Strimling, uh, they're right. You can't you're not actually qualified for this office. And he or she could have kicked me off at that point. We have that ability. And then it goes to courts. And so I talked to a bunch of lawyers and uh, there's a lawyer I work with very closely. And um, I don't know, do you know Crew, the national group that's been dealing with this? Yes, yeah, sir. Crew, they're great. They do a tremendous amount. Oh, yeah. And he had been talking to them. And uh, we decided that it was going to be a good opportunity, but we needed to make sure it was bipartisan. Didn't want this to just be coming from, look, I, I'm a unabashed progressive Democrat. And so me going out trying to say Donald Trump shouldn't be on the ballot by myself is just going to feel like the same old partisan you know, partisan stuff that happens, even if it is correct. 
So I called a few of my colleagues who I served with in the Senate who were relatively reasonable Republicans, and um, two of them signed up very quickly. One who had actually been a Democrat that became a Republican and then became an independent, and another one who's um, uh, Kimberly Rosen, who has been a uh, Repu lifelong Republican and very frustrated with Donald Trump and what he's done to this country, both of them. And when they signed up, um, then we knew, OK, we, we have the ability to take this forward, make this bipartisan, make it clear this is not just, um, you know, about people who are trying to stop a Republican from being elected or help Joe Biden, but people who really believe in our Constitution. So that's a long winded way of sort of giving the path of how we got there. But Absolutely. in the end. In the end, I'm a believer in our Constitution. You have to uphold our Constitution. It's the most democratic thing that we can do. And uh, I'm I'm 100% convinced that he has violated the Constitution and therefore is disqualified for the offices, office he is seeking. Absolutely. I'm, I'm fond of saying he was disqualified one minute into his inaugural dress because of the emoluments clause, but that's mm, just me. I mean, you've really, you yep. really nailed it here. And can I just say that uh, I appreciate this because Donald Trump is arguably our most pro-Confederacy president since Andrew Johnson. I've never seen an American president mm. stand up to defend monuments to white supremacists who quit America and took up arms against America. So it's so gratifying to actually see the remedy that our Constitution used for Confederates being used against one in this century. Very well done, sir. Good Let point. me ask you about, about some of the, the concern and pushback, because I'll, I'll admit one of the concerns I have is um, I love it and it's airtight and I can't argue with the logic, the legality, the morality. What worries me on the, the politics side of it is, um, A, he's going to fundraise off this tremendously. We all know that. And B, the fact that we will now have folks who say... Well, you're a Democratic Party. You're saying you're the party protecting democracy, and yet you're taking this man's name off a ballot. How can you be the party that protects democracy when folks in Maine or Colorado can't vote for the man they want to vote for? And um, it, it's something I've wrestled with because I think what this is is completely legal and constitutional. But I wonder, how do you, Mr. Mayor, respond to um, to that particular grievance? Yeah, well, let, let me take them both. On the fundraising piece, well, Donald Trump's going to fundraise off everything, right? If, if, right if we were making decisions based on the fact of whether or not Donald Trump is going to fundraise off of it or whether his party MAGA members are going to be outraged and aggrieved and motivated, you know, we, there would not be 91 indictments against him, right? We would be scared mm -hmm. of taking any action against this man because uh, he might fundraise against it or he might uh, get his supporters more motivated. So, that argument to me seems, you know, that that's a sideline issue that, that ev sure. everybody in politics raises against whatever attack they can. If they do, all you can do is do what's right. And I think Jack Smith has done what's right. And I think, you know, Fanny has done what's right. And everybody who's been indicting him has done what's right, even though he is raising money off of it. And even though his most hardcore supporters are motivated by it. And uh, I'm proud of them for being willing to stand up on that piece. So, yeah. It's, it's so inspiring. Um, like I said, the way they go after voting rights, a thousand cuts, and it's amazing seeing right. the same approach being taken against this campaign. Sorry to cut you off. Right. And, and No, that's all right. And and your second question, you know, and, and the way you just framed it, right, they go after voting rights. So they go after people's ability to get to the ballot box, right? Mm -hmm. That's their issue. They want to stop, you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people from being able to vote. And that's the problem on their end. In terms of the issue of somebody being on the ballot, you have to qualify to be on the ballot. That's never been an issue in which 
anybody has been saying that, oh, we should start now allowing people who are not qualified to run. Look, if Arnold Schwarzenegger tried to get on the presidential ballot in Maine, he would not be able to get on the presidential ballot in Maine because he is not a natural born citizen of the United States. If somebody who was 18 years old decided, tried to get on the ballot in Maine and said, I want to be president of the United States, we would not allow them on the ballot. That's is it. that somehow limiting the voter's choice? I suppose it is, but that's a constitu the Constitution protects us from certain things. And one of those things is if you commit insurrection against our country when you have taken an oath to uphold our Constitution, you are subsequently disqualified from running. Now, boom. if somebody wants to say that that means that I'm taking away their right, I'm going to say, I'm not taking away your right. It's in the Constitution that was passed by all the states in this country back in ratified in 1868, passed by the Congress in 1866. It's constitutional. So none of us are taking away that right. But just think about it in your own life, right? If, if you lie on a job application, you're probably going to be disqualified from getting that job. Does that mm -hmm. somehow mean that you should just be given that job anyway? Or you take steroids <laughs> and you want to, you know, run, win the Tour de France? Well, um, apparently, if you do that, you're going to be disqualified. So That's Donald right. Trump, Donald Trump, has disqualified himself. He has taken himself off the ballot. That's the fight here. And also remember, there are other Republicans running. So it's not that there is a right in this country that everybody who wants to run, no matter what, gets to run for office or you get to, you. to have anybody you want on the ballot. There are qualifications. Look, a week before Donald Trump was disqualified, Chris Christie was disqualified in Maine. You know why? That's right. Because his... His signatures, he didn't have the adequate signatures. Now, some people could argue, well, wait a minute, you disqualified Chris Christie. Well, no, disqualified. He was disqualified because he didn't have the signatures. He didn't disqualify himself. That's Trump in Nevada himself. yesterday. Trump in Nevada yesterday. He is off the Nevada ballot because they didn't do the paperwork on time. I know you want to come shop in the 7-Eleven, but there's a sign on the wall. You have no shoes. You have no shirt. You can't blame me. You're the reason you can't go in the 7-Eleven. Right. And, and look, and, and even in Maine, you know, which is, and we've often said this, and I think this is some of the Republicans who are supporting this. They're like, it doesn't take away our ability to go and vote. There are other candidates who are running that we like. We like Nikki Haley or we like Ron DeSantis or we like Vivek Ramaswamy or whomever they like. They're going to get a chance to vote for them. But if we allow somebody to be on the ballot who's not qualified to hold that office, what we're actually doing is allowing voters to vote for somebody who ultimately their vote's going to be thrown away. So we're protecting the votes of people who That's are going it. to go to the ballot box and vote, because if if everybody steps forward and votes for Donald Trump and then they say, no, you can't hold this office. Well, that all of their votes have now been taken away. That is truly right. uh, getting to a, on the verge of anti-democratic. So. Donald, this is all on Donald Trump. It's he you disqualified it. himself. He decided to take steroids before he rode in the race. Sorry, buddy, you're out. <laughs> you know, I have to ask you, sir, do you have Republican colleagues, friends who support this privately, but are afraid mm. to say so publicly? Or are Republicans in Maine a bit uh, more fearless than that? 
Uh, well, there's a little bit of both, but for sure, uh, you know, uh, to, to be honest, when I began the process of calling around, I called Tom Saviello first, who's one of the other challengers with me. He got on right away. He's the guy who was a Democrat, Republican, independent. He's a very independent thinker, very smart guy. He was on board. We then called around, honestly, to probably half a dozen other Republican leaders, pretty significant Republican leaders, all former elected officials. We were not we didn't want to have somebody who was in office you know, preferably somebody who'd been in the Senate, you know, just so we could all be kind of the same status. And there were a number who were very much like, yes, I really support this. But look, I run a business. I don't want the backlash, my employees. I mean, we see what's happening to our secretary of state. You know, she's getting swatted. She's getting these death yeah. threats. You can imagine um, what could happen to somebody's business or, you know, the, or just the harassment that they might experience. And so I would say there were half a dozen other Republicans that I talked to who said uh, we're totally on board in terms of what the issue is, but we don't feel like uh, we want to. The risk is too great. I, and let me also say, though, there were some Republicans who really hate Trump and they had questions about the legality of this stuff. And, you know, the, that's legit. I'm totally in on let's have the debate. That's why we're going to court. The judge is going to make the ultimate decision. I know what I believe. I know what I, I think the Constitution says, but we're going to live by what the judge ultimately says in the end. So there were some Republicans who anti-Trump, but not quite there on the legal arguments. And there were others who were all the way there on the legal arguments, anti-Trump, but just felt like the backlash would be too brutal. Oh, yeah. We know all about those lovely Republican friends. Um, so I, yeah. my understanding is, sir, Maine Superior Court has until next week to decide whether to affirm or overturn your Secretary of State's decision? Yeah, um, they have until the 17th. So she will, it's a single judge, she's going to be making the ruling. We filed all, Trump filed his initial briefs on Monday, we filed ours uh, Wednesday, then there's some follow up briefs. And then she goes into her chambers, basically, unless there's any ed extra documentation. And she comes out with uh, her ruling next week by the 17th. So and then it will go to the main Supreme Court. And I expect it will go to the main Supreme Court, whichever way it goes. You know, the the state is now defending this decision, which is great. You know, we we brought the challenge forward and the lawyers yes. and crew helped. And but once uh, Secretary Bellows made her decision, it then becomes the state gets to put their resources behind it. And, uh, you know, my impression is that if the superior court judge were not to uphold secretary bellows decision or if she were that this will probably get to the main supreme court after that and, and they have about two weeks so it it all should get resolved actually before the main supreme court even begin uh, sorry before the u.s supreme court even begins to hear the colorado case how do you think it would do with the U.S. Supreme Court, considering I'm sure Clarence Thomas will recuse himself right away, and I'm sure that Trump's yes. three appointees will recuse themselves as well? Well, and all the originalists will, of course, be originalists, and they oh, will indeed. go back to oh, the yeah. original text, and they will look at the text, because the text is clear. If you are uh, an insurrectionist, you cannot run for office. So, I, you know, this is the issue. Some, I, I'm, I'm obviously worried about the U.S. Supreme Court. It's such a partisan body. It's become so reactionary and, and it has just tossed out so much precedent, uh, so much unfortunate precedent. Um, but interestingly, one of my one of the lawyers that we're working with uh, locally feels like the arguments in this are so black and white that the amount of 
you know, perambulations that they're going to have to take to get around it. He he feels more optimistic than perhaps I do because he just feels like it's it is very clear that if you commit insurrection when you've taken the oath of office that you can't run for office. And you know, one of the arguments against has been well, he's never been convicted, but you know, yeah. it's no Confederate leaders were convicted That's either. It. As, That's as it. a matter of, you know, and one of the things I didn't even realize, not only were they not convicted, remember, the terms of surrender were that they wouldn't be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. So not only were they not convicted, they were not allowed to be convicted, and yet they still were not allowed to run for office. So this conviction issue is inaccurate in the sense that you need it, but it's also important to recognize that now three courts, three judicial bodies, have actually given Donald Trump his day in court, and he's lost, right? The district That's court, right. which actually said he could be on the ballot, but said he is an insurrectionist after a finding of fact, after a week-long court hearing in which Donald Trump got to present all the evidence he wanted to say, I'm not an insurrectionist. She said, actually, you are. Colorado Supreme Court looked at the same evidence, said, yeah, actually, you are an insurrectionist. Shanna Bellows, our secretary of state, looked at it and said, yeah, he is an insurrectionist. So three judicial bodies have now declared him after after a court hearing, after he had his day in court as an insurrectionist, mm. not a criminal charge, mm. but three courts. I and smell so, precedent. I, yeah, a little bit. And so I think that, you know, I, I, I'm, I hope that the Supreme Court is able to step back from the partisan nastiness and is able to just look at this and say, you know what? We all saw it with our own eyes. On January 6th, the guy incited an insurrection. He obviously had already taken the oath of office of president, and there's just no way you can look at the 14th Amendment and say to yourself, oh, this is going to apply to every elected official in the country. That me as a state senator in the lowly state of Maine, if I committed insurrection, I could never run for any office again. But somehow the president of the United States, the most powerful position in the country, that person, oh, okay, yeah, we we wanted to exclude them. They could commit insurrection <laughs> and then run for office because we wanted because they wanted Jefferson Davis to run for office back oh, in the Oh, sure. Days, right? And these sure. Republicans can't wait for Kamala Harris to certify invalid electors next year. It's it's a beautiful yeah. thing they're fighting for right now. <laughs> Ethan Stribling <laughs> served for 10 years as the progressive mayor and state senator representing Portland. Sir, thank you very much for all you've done to remove Trump from the main ballot and to educate us about this really amazing process. What is the best way our listeners can follow you and keep up with all you do? Well, uh, they can certainly follow me on Twitter at Mayor Strim, uh, which is where uh, we try to get as many uh, updates out there as possible on what's going on in the court case. But uh, we also, as you mentioned earlier, we do a podcast called In the Arena, which is a little bit of uh, a Republican, Democrat, this guy, and then a, uh, a moderator who is a former news anchor, Pat Callahan. So the three of us, uh, we're, we're going to be starting that up again in a couple of weeks. So Brilliant. look for that. Oh, come back and see us anytime, Mr. Mayor. What a great pleasure, and thank you for your service. We have to hit a break. We'll be back in just a moment with your calls at 866-997-GRIT. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. 
No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. We're at 866-997-4748. Let's go to the phones. Andy from Delaware is on line one. Andy, thank you so much for your patience on hold. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much, John. I can't believe I get an opportunity to talk to you. I'm um, honored. This is a great show. I listen to thank it you. regularly. So I, I, there's what I, the reason I called, I, I want to talk about the path to victory for Joe Biden is Joe Please. Biden. Yeah. A, and... I know that sounds like a pretty obvious point, but every morning I wake up with my cup of coffee, I hear about Donald Trump's messages on uh, uh, Truth Social. Okay, day in and day out, Donald Trump and his surrogates and his his pals and his minions are pounding away at Joe Biden. I I can't even watch a YouTube video with with what uh, without a a spot before I watch the YouTube video talking about. A, a, you know, a feeble, you know, sleepy Joe. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, just, of course. It's everywhere. Yeah. And and I haven't heard a peep from the Democrats for, I want to say, years since the beginning. So what's happening? A peep of, oh, wait, hang on. A peep, a peep from Democrats about what? About defend, the defense of Joe Biden. They, oh, I, I think I think a lot of them have. I think a lot of them have. Gavin Newsom's been great about it. A lot of them have been talking about how sharp he is and how great he is. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I'm tired of the ageism as well. Go on, please. Well, what's happening is, is it's getting baked in. And and what I what I mean by that, Democrats not in the same um, fervor. For instance, they're not making the news cycle. Uh, the things that Donald Trump says makes the news cycle. The stuff that the Speaker of the House makes the news cycle. But you and me talking. Joe Scarborough and and, uh, and and other folks that I listen to, they're they're just we're talking to each other. And the only way to break through the news cycle is for for Joe Biden to come out as strong as Donald Trump on a daily basis. That's the only way it's going to happen. I agree. It's the only way you're it's the only way you're going to get that that group of people that is not of the tribal folks on the Republican side and the ones on the, on Joe Biden's side, you know, we're, we're pretty solid behind it. That's that middle group that is maybe undecided Mm, or maybe leaning toward Trump because they, because we're so deep in the weeds over this legal stuff. Well, there, there's one more thing, though, to keep in mind. There's one more thing to keep in mind, though. You, you know, I think you're right that, yeah, it's going to have to be the path to victory is Biden being Biden. But don't forget, the path to victory is also Biden not being Trump. 
I mean, Biden needs to get people to come out because they don't want Donald Trump to be president. And and in many cases, I think you you know this for all of Joe Biden's virtues and achievements legislatively. Uh, a lot of folks are, are going to be voting against Trump more than Biden. And he knows that. And he always says, don't judge me against the almighty. Judge me against the alternative. I, you know what? That that's true. And you're going to get a lot that way. But uh, what I'm saying is, uh, for instance, that hard hitting spot that I just saw, I think they played on MSNBC, uh, the one about abortion that is to the point, it strikes at the heart of what Republicans are exposing women in this country to. And that the fact that protecting um, protecting women is an example, protecting women against, uh, uh, you know, who have been raped or to save their lives is a lie. And Texas proved it. Now go to court to keep a woman uh, to wait until she's on death's door uh, before yeah. maybe they might permit oh, yeah. that. We that mm-hmm. that has to hit hard. That has to be daily. All I'm saying, John, is we know all these we know all these talking points. They've got to come out every day, and I they agree. have to be. And I think Joe Biden has to say it because he will break through. Fox will cover the things that Joe Biden says, or Kamala Harris will say. Yeah, I think I think Joe Biden can use it. He can use a bit more colorful, combative language, you know, and and also keep in mind if they go through with this and try to impeach Joe Biden, Bill Clinton could have run for a third term in 2000 after they impeached him. The the surest way to make Joe Biden a lot more popular and get support behind him. Go ahead and try and have a bogus impeachment of him. I mean, you know, I will say the president gave two really strong speeches this week. And last night, within a couple of hours, they already had an ad up uh, on the White House Twitter of Donald Trump's direct quote, taking all the credit for destroying Roe v. Wade. I mean, Absolutely. Biden's on it. Just the media is not on Biden. He just has to make a point a day. That's what I'm that's what I'm looking for. He's got to make some noise every day, too. Day. He's he's got to make some noise every day. He's got to do something controversial, you know, like coming out and and decriminalizing weed on the federal level. Really smart. Now, let's see you come out and call for a ceasefire. Let's see you come out and call more for paid family leave. Let's see you call out come out and call out the fake Christianity. Just you use anything to get them talking about you and start setting the narrative. Yeah, you his know, words are going to carry a lot of weight, Jonathan. You know that it's it's but the weight uh, if somebody if um you know, somebody in the Senate or somebody in the House, a Democrat or a governor or even an attorney general like your guest today, they just won't make the news cycle. They will not break through. Yeah. Joe Biden will break through. He can, but it's always harder for nice people to break through because the media loves villains. That's why the douchiest people always, always get all the airtime because the media is about a ratings game. So the nice people, they don't generate a lot of numbers. That's the system we're working against. Thank you so much for the call. I really do appreciate it. Sure. Call more open, Andy. Thank you so much. Quick break. Right back with your calls. And Simon Moya-Smith and Julie Franchella in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting warmed up. And hour three is nothing but your calls. This is progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT, and we'd love to hear from you this hour. Here is uh, earlier today, Pentagon spokesman General Pat Ryder. Updating reporters on the growing retaliation to the Houthi attacks in the Red Sea off Yemen. There are uh, a significant number of ships with the ability to counter some of these attacks, and there are more coming. We continue to see this coalition, this defensive coalition grow. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Marie in Atlanta on line eight. Thank you so much for your patience on hold. You're on progress, Counselor. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Thank and you. I'm actually sorry I didn't recall um, when I made this call that Simon and Julie were going to be on because um, I've been meaning to ask them from a legal perspective. I have heard, and I don't want to represent as fact, but I have heard that owls symbolize malevolent presence um, in Native American culture. And so I've often wondered when Native people are in courts operated by the United States, there's a lot of iconography showing the owl as wise and a lot of things that are a lot of gifts that you give to judges are not just Lady Liberty statue or, mm. or the balancing scales, but also owls. And so I wonder when Native people come into that United States court system, do like do they perceive that? And I, I've always wondered if that has any impact on like how when they enter into that space, how they feel about how either welcome or what the, what their chances are really in that space. So that's actually. A, yeah. Wow. Please call back next uh, next Thursday and let's talk about it. I, I know that the Ojibwe, uh, that's Julie's nation. I know the Ojibwe do view the owl as a, a symbol of, of evil. But I mm-hmm. I know that there is other uh, uh, nations that, that view the owl as a symbol of protection. So I think it's I think it's pretty nuanced and it varies. Yeah. So, but the reason that I actually did call. <laughs> yeah, that, was, now I want to know uh, this. I've got. You better yeah. remember this next week and call in about this, please. Go ahead. I, I promise you, I will. Um, but the thing that I was I was wondering about, not wondering about, but um, regarding Hunter Biden showing up, that yeah. was actually a masterful legal move. And here's I really why. thought so. I really thought so. Tell us, please. First of all, who knows if they would have dispensed the, you know, sergeant, the sergeant at arms or some other law enforcement authority to go and arrest Hunter had there been actually a contempt citation or had there been, in essence, some enforcement action. But here's the thing. The fact that he was in the room and the fact that members of the committee on the record acknowledged his presence, acknowledged his willingness to testify. That was important because now if they go forward with it, he can establish by the house record that he was there, that he was willing to speak and that he was acknowledged by members of the committee. So, you know, and and none of them indicated that they wanted him to testify. That's it. And by the way, this is the second, this is the second time. 
Second time he's shown up for a public hearing, but I guess they learned from the first time. All you have to do is show up. Jim Comer originally agreed to a public hearing and then realized that they couldn't exploit it and lie about it. So now he's trying to deny Hunter Biden of that right. And yeah, he was sitting 20 feet from them. Not one of them would ask a single question. They wouldn't swear him in. He stayed there 30 minutes and then he left. I mean, it was brilliant. They they can't hold him in contempt now legally, can they, Marie? I mean, they, they kind of blew it. A they blew their chance to hold him in contempt. I'm sorry. Yeah, Go ahead. I, I would I would say that they, it's not that they can't do it. I mean, let's be honest. You can charge somebody with, you know, hurting your feelings. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a crime. It doesn't necessarily mean that the facts that would establish that hurting your feelings was a criminal act, that they could actually prove that. So but they can't. Short, they they can't. The they can't. He showed up. He showed up and was willing to take questions. And it's in the congressional record. They They just can't do it. I agree. Well, and the other thing is, if they dispense some authority to enforce the contempt citation, should they actually vote to do so? How does Mm. it look? He was sitting right there and you're trying to take this enforcement action for a thing that he was sitting there trying to comply. I think these were some smart lawyers and they outplayed them because they know how stupid these guys really are. I mean, Hunter Biden's lawsuits against Rudy Giuliani, these aren't going anywhere either. He's suing a lot of these people. And again, you know, I don't care what happens to Hunter Biden. I'm not in a cult. If he's guilty, put him in jail. I'm not going to fight about it. We're not like Trump. I want I want the business transactions of all presidential children to be deeply scrutinized. Trump supporters don't feel that same way. So do with them what you want to do. But wow, he's playing this really, really well, especially Marie, because they made sure nobody in the White House knew he was showing up yesterday. They kept Biden up. 100 miles away from this. Exactly. Exactly. It was it was perfect. Just perfect. Nice. Thank you, counselor. What do you think is going to happen? Thank you. What's going to happen? Um, is this going away? I, I mean, I don't know that it'll go away. I think they're going to continue to talk about it. I don't I don't see how they vote to cite him for contempt. I don't see how they vote to actually do it. I mean, they could, but I don't I don't see how they enforce it. That's a good point. Um, and so that being the case, they, they make they get more mileage out of constantly talking about it. They get politi- more political mileage, that is, out of constantly talking about it than actually doing something. I'm telling you, I hope they impeach Joe Biden. It'll bump him up 10 points. And if they had arrested Hunter yesterday, I wish they had because they're stupid. And that, again, we keep wondering what's going to make people excited to vote for Joe Biden. The Republicans, the same thing that made us excited to vote for Bill Clinton. <laughs> so... We'll see how it plays Actually, out, Marie. You know, you, you know what, John? Let me let me let Tell me tackle something else for a quick second. You All were right. talking about the the retaliatory strikes on Yemen, and the you had a previous caller who was concerned about how that might blow back on Biden. I'll be honest yeah. with you: if Biden's smart, he gets ahead of this, and he says, "Anybody remember when you couldn't get a, a part to repair your washing machine during the pandemic because nice. supply lines were shut down?" If we keep letting this stuff go on, you're going to be right back there again. You want that? That's it. I'll shut that. Shut it down. That's boom. Brilliant. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> it's great to hear from you. Thank you. We're Thank at 866-997-4748. Taking your calls all the way till midnight. And we're getting into everybody tonight. 866-997-GRIT. Jessica from Oregon. Thank you for being so patient on hold. Welcome. You're on progress. Hello. Hey, John. Um, so I caught the tail end of, uh, unfortunately, just the tail end of, of your discussion with 
your two guests. And I'm I'm a huge Native American mythology and history nut, and oh. I uh, am also a big nerd, like you know already from my previous calls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to ask if you had seen, in terms of representation and, and entertainment, what Marvel has done in the last couple of months with their series uh, when it comes to Native Americans. It's pretty oh. damn phenomenal. Yeah, I wish you'd been there to talk about this with Julie. I don't know why she didn't bring this up, but you're, you're talking about Echo, right? Which just premiered. I'm talking about Echo and What If, because What and If, what if yes. So, yeah, they actually created an original um, Marvel hero character for What If, who is right. from uh, the uh, Mohawk Nation, and her name's Kakori, right. and she is fantastic. Uh, just a, and that whole episode was done in the language of. That's right. The it was done native in tribe. native in native Mohawk language, and they worked with members of the Mohawk Nation to make sure they got it right. Like this was not just a bunch of white people taking their best shot and hoping it worked out well. They really worked with uh, with with Mohawk artists to bring this character to life. Oh, it was absolutely beautiful too, and she's going to end up showing up. I, I hope in live action because it turns out the actress who did the voice is actually acting in Echo as a different character. Ah. But, but now, Echo, Echo is Echo is the character of the, of the the First Nations woman who's also hearing impaired who premiered on the show Hawkeye two years ago, right? Ex- exactly, and she's actually loved a, her on that a character in the. Yeah, she's actually the character from the comics. There's actually a comic book series of her, but not only is she deaf, she has one leg. And she uses uh, that leg like a freaking weapon. I mean, the the fight scenes are phenomenal. She is a badass. And not only is that great, and they actually have uh, sections. Each episode talks about a different time period and and mythos within uh, the, the, I believe she's, uh, I want to say Choctaw. Um, but, uh, but each episode starts with that about a strong woman in the tribe and how those are all the ancestors that have built up to her. And it's absolutely beautiful. And they've worked really closely with the native, uh, groups that are involved with this. And they have a lot of native American creators in it and actors. It's very authentic, but not only that, it's just, you know, it, it's just a freaking phenomenal story. And Vincent D'Onofrio is terrifying. Yes, he's great. Oh well, he played God. that character he's on the old Mar- on the old uh, Netflix shows, and he played it on the finale yep. of uh, Hawkeye, too. And uh, just as an FYI, Daredevil shows up in the first episode, and it's one of the best fight sequences I've seen in a, in, in a Marvel right. show for a while. When so. with, all, with my giant pile of free time, I cannot wait to catch up on Yay! all of these because I'm still behind on what if I'm behind on all of this. I've been watching that. I've been watching that uh, for all mankind, uh, which is sort of like the right stuff. What if? So I've got a lot of stuff oh, to catch yeah. up on. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But the great thing is they actually released all of Echo, all five episodes at once, which oh, I great. didn't think they were going to do that. By the way, by the way, as long as we're talking about indigenous representation, let's not forget that one of the best action sci-fi films of all of last year was also the first ever good Predator movie, Prey, also shot in indigenous language with an all-indigenous cast and a female lead. I mean, just amazing film. Great action movie. I thought it was one of the best movies of the year. 
I, I completely agree. And the dog doesn't die, everybody. The dog doesn't die. The dog <laughs> doesn't die. And it's this, um, and it's this young really- First Nations girl figuring out everything it took Arnold Schwarzenegger two hours to figure out in the first movie 35 years ago. And again, by far the best movie about the Predator ever released. I want him to do one uh, in different time periods all the time. We've already based that that's a thing that's happened, that they've been yeah. coming here for dec- you know, years and years. But really quickly before I let you go, because I know you have other calls, they're getting ready to release Godzilla Minus One. I know. In black and white. I heard. I heard this. Dude, you got to go see it. <laughs> I haven't seen it in color yet. Do you have any idea how frustrating this is? I live with an 11-year-old boy who's not into it, so it's kind of hard for me to like be how the dad who gets a babysitter how? so I can go see Godzilla without my son. It's a little pathetic in my house. The real thing what they should do is they should release Godzilla Minus One with a man in a suit. That's how they should redo it. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I, I love that they're releasing it in black and white, because I'm releasing a Schindler's List in color that's colorized, so watch for that coming out later this year. Everything but the girl in the red jacket. <laughs> yes, the girl in the red jacket's oh, black Lord. and white, the rest of the film. <laughs> I mean, they made, listen, I love it. They did They did the Justice League movie in a black and white version as well, but this it this won't be pretentious. great, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it looked but, great. Uh, yeah, the Godzilla, the Godzilla, they actually showed the... The trailer just got released for it, and it looks beautiful. I mean, when I was a kid so, on the TV, my parents gave me every movie was converted to black and white. So I've kind of been there already. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I just got to see the movie first before I can have the novelty of the black and white version. But but you actually haven't lived until you shoved your face up against the screen trying to watch and listen to Tom Baker Doctor Who episodes while you oh were in here. You're really trying to out-geek me, lady. You're trying to out-geek me at this point. <laughs> All right. I'll look for it. Thank you so much for the call. We're at 866-997-4748. Crazy Mike from Michigan is online for Mike, tell me everything about weed in Japan, please. Oh, yeah. It's legal now in uh, Japan. Now Mick Jagger can go to Japan and tour. Paul McCartney. Uh, Paul McCartney's the one. It's Paul McCartney. Yeah, but it was also Jagger this day and well, I forget what day. Oh, it was, was it Jagger too? Jagger too. They they couldn't they could uh, tour because uh, Mick had a drug offense on him. So oh, okay, but but you know what happened to Paul McCartney in 1980? That that like yeah. they found yeah. weed on him in the airport in the Tokyo airport, and the Beatle fans have always maintained it was Linda's weed, and Paul took the fall for his wife but McCartney did nine days in a Tokyo jail nine days in prison his jailers taunted him by singing yesterday in broken English and now it's legal there yeah it's insanity wow yeah but anyway I I, I really enjoyed you I'm in my teepee tonight again and uh, it would have been so nice to talk to uh, Simon and uh, by the way those guys are great I love that story about the spirit moon or the moon spirit. Oh, yes. Yes. The Navajo. That was a great joke. That's a keeper. But hmm. uh, uh, also, uh, Buffy St. Marie, uh, uh, my favorite song is called No, No Kesha Gesh. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever heard it. It's, a, it's a great, great song. Okay. I'm not sure if I have. But uh, other than that, I've been also listening to uh, some historic stuff about... Uh, people resisting in uh, Germany before the war. And uh, one was a general, Boisen. I think it was Boisen, General Boisen. Mm-hmm. He, uh, 
he worked from uh, during the purges in 1936, I think it was. Okay. Through the war, uh, it's quite. A where, where are we? Where are we going here? Where are we going with this? Just uh, what we—that's <laughs> what we are now before Trump, if he if he takes power. Oh, I see. What could exist? You know, it's, it's happened before. No, I know. I mean, I, I, I never realized at the time. I wish I'd known when Obama was president that we were in the Weimar Republic. I wish someone had told me. I would have had more fun in cabarets. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> Thanks, man. But I also think that uh, Hunter Biden's into the Congress was fantastic. And uh, what uh, they said during that time. And I love, I mean, he had no balls. So yeah, he did. Oh, I know. I know. And Nancy Mace saying that you have no balls like woman. What the hell you talk about? This guy showed up there. He showed up there. (laughs) Plus, they know they know that he has balls because they've been holding all those photos up in Congress. Exactly. They know they have balls because Marjorie Taylor Greene showed the pictures again. She showed it again. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. My God, I'm so traumatized by all this revenge porn I've seen. (laughs) Thanks, man. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you. 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Let me get one more call in before we do a break. Uh, Mark from Portland. Thank you for waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM. Hey, uh, John, I was thinking that uh, maybe um, if, if, if the Supreme Court hears the case of immunity before the election and they say, yeah, unitary, unitary executive power resides with the president, he can do anything. Well, Biden could then arrest Trump for insurrection or post-insurrection or whatever he wants to make up, right? I mean, uh, I mean, according to Donald Trump's lawyers, Biden could murder Trump and then threaten to murder any senators who removed him from office so then he could leave office and never face any kind of accountability for murder. According to Trump's right. lawyers, that's the argument they're making. I mean, they're not thinking through the fact that Biden would have that power first. That's, oh, they, they're the not thing, right? they're not being. But this is my theory on all of Trump's lawyers. They're not being paid to think through anything. They're being paid. Right. They're being paid by a guy they know is legendary for not paying his lawyers. He doesn't pay anybody. That's why by the time he got to the White House, the only bank that would still loan him money was Hitler's favorite back over in Deutschland. So they know that they're with a clown. They know they're probably going to lose, but they have the billable hours and the money keeps rolling in. I don't think they care. They'll have the most ridiculous defenses for this guy because they're going to get paid either way. It's going to be interesting, buddy. i got to run. Thank you so much. Oh, hey, hope I didn't catch you at a bad time. we got to go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. Uh, what a great show we had tonight. We'll be back again for some more tomorrow. This is SiriusXM Progress. Peace. 